how God is going to use that. And that's through the faithfulness of the body, through the faithfulness of the church. And so I thank you for that. In June of 1944, uh, there was a secret that was revealed that was amazing and incredible in its scope. And the reason that it was amazing and incredible is not for the length that the secret was kept. Uh, It was only about two years, which I guess is pretty incredible. But the reason it was incredible was because of the uh, people that knew about the secret. So many people knew about this secret, and yet it did not come out. You see, the plans for uh, Operation Overlord, which we came to be called D-Day, or the Attack of Normandy, going for almost two and a half years. And in the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months leading up to the invasion, uh, almost 250,000 men had been a part of that secret. They'd heard what was going on. They knew what was going on. And yet the secret was so well kept that even once the invasion started, even as uh, the Allied troops were invading the coast of France, the German soldiers and the German high command still did not understand what was happening. Now, it's tough for us to wrap our head around that kind of secret. It's tough for us to really understand how big a deal this was. But if you remember back in those days, or if you studied what's going on, uh, the invasion that took place on June 6, 1944, changed the whole scope of World War II. It was the largest amphibious invasion of all time. And we'd have been understood since the war had broken out, and I'll give you a little history lesson, since the war had started, that Americans knew and the British knew and the Allies knew that the only way we were ever going to take back Europe was by invading uh, Western Europe. You had to invade France. You had to go and put boots on the ground. They were bombing round the clock, but it would never bring an end to Nazi Germany unless we invaded. And uh, there was some disunity on where to invade. Churchill decided that he thought we should invade off the Mediterranean in the south, but uh, Marshall and Roosevelt and Eisenhower all said, no, the only way that this will be successful is we invade from the west, from Great Britain. And so they began to develop a plan. And for two and a half years, this plan was, was put in place. And, and if you go and study in the, the end of 43, in the beginning of 1944, uh, hundreds of thousands of men and material were piling in to Great Britain, getting ready for the invasion. The only question, the only part that was a secret was when was it going to take place and where was it going to take place? You see, this was a huge risk. Looking back afterwards, we could say, well, well, you know, we we marched in and we gained ground and the paratroopers went in and they softened it up. But even up until the time of the invasion, it was considered a huge risk. Many people said there would be 80 to 90 percent casualty rates. Because you see, if there was a chance that Germany could find out when and where the invasion was going to take place, they could pull all of their men and all of their resources and keep the United States from gaining ground, from from getting a toehold in Europe. And if that happened, you need to understand the whole war could have changed. Germany was developing weapons and things were going on that it, it could have pushed the war back two years or three years or maybe even changed the whole face of it. That's how big a secret this was. If you go and you study it, it's amazing to read and to hear some of the people talk about how 
Many things the United States of America did to keep this secret a secret. I mean, they developed a a false and fake uh, army under the control of General Patton that was in the northern part of Great Britain to try to convince Germany that they would invade from that area. Uh, They had sent spies over to give false information. Uh, It was such a well-kept secret that the week before the invasion, there was a general that was one of Eisenhower's friends that happened to be in a bar and just barely mentioned something about the invasion. And when word got back to command, he was stripped of all of his titles and powers and sent back to the United States. That's how big a deal this secret was. A secret that in and of itself held thousands, if not millions of lives in its hands. It's hard for us to get our head around it because we're looking back on it 60 years from now, 70 years from now. But this one secret had the potential to change and affect the world as we know it. See, this morning, I'm going to talk about a secret that's much like that. A secret that has even more potential to change the world. A secret that has even more potential to impact not just people in the world and nations of the world, but to impact every one of us. And the difference between the secret we're going to talk about and the secret at D-Day or Normandy is that God's secret has already been let out you see we're not called to keep it quiet any longer matter of fact we're called just the opposite and that is to share it matter of fact we are not just called we are compelled to share it and it was so important to god that this secret get out so important to god that that this secret this mystery that paul calls it gets out into the world to impact the world that he created an avenue for that to happen and he called it the church You see, the main mission, the main thrust, the main goal of the church is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. See, God decided he didn't want to leave it to chance. He left it to the church. And this morning, I want to look at some passages that we find ourselves in the book of Ephesians that Paul is going to outline how important the church is to God. And the question I want to ask you as we get into this passage is if God thinks the church is so important, if God understands that it's a part of his plan, how does that line up with how we treat the church? How does that line up with our commitment level to the church? See, what I want to talk about for us this morning, not just the secret getting out and our part of it, but why it's so important, why God and Paul felt that it was so important for you and I to be a part of the church. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're continuing to walk through Ephesians, and we took a break last week with a, uh, a word that God gave me for last week, but we're going to dig back in. And I want to start and go back over uh, where we looked a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not going to really review, but I want you to see the whole thought of Ephesians chapter 3. It says, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And we discovered a couple of weeks ago, it doesn't say he was a prisoner for Jesus or he's a prisoner of Rome. He said, I was a prisoner, and I am a prisoner of what? Of the message. I'm a prisoner of what God is calling me to do for your sake, for my sake. And we discovered a couple of weeks ago that Paul breaks off this introduction and goes into this secondary school of thought. And verses 2 through 13 is another one of those long, single sentences in the Greek language. It's Paul trying to make sure we understand how important this is. It's an underscore. And so Paul starts in verse 2 and goes all the way through verse 13 to explain how important this is. He says, Surely you have heard the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. 
That is the mystery. And he introduces that word that we talked about, known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly, in reading this then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, that it is now being revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ. See, he introduces this idea of mystery, this idea of secret, the, the secret that hadn't been revealed to other generations. It had been glimpsed at. It had been hinted at. And Paul says, now I have been revealed, been given the mystery, the secret. I've unmasked it. I've exposed it. And what is that mystery? That God's salvation is for all man. Not just for the Jews. Not just for the chosen people. Not just for the religious. Not just for the spiritual. But for all man. And that when Jesus died on the cross, he tore down any barriers that separate mankind. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the walls that we build and that God has torn down. The wall of gender and the wall of age and the wall of religion and the wall of uh, of economic status. That God tears all of those walls down and tells us that we are all now equal in our footing at the cross and because all of us needed grace you needed grace i needed grace no matter how much money you have no matter what kind of education you have no matter what house you live in no matter the color of your skin you needed grace i needed grace so we're all equal and in all being equal what paul is saying is that this mystery that they couldn't see in the old testament is that Jesus Christ would provide a way for all men of all races and all background to not just be saved, but to come together as one body. And he invents those three words there in verse 6, that we are joint heirs, that we come together, that we share in the promise, that you see every one of us in this room that are Christ followers, every one of us in this room that believe in Jesus Christ, we now share together a part of God's plan and a part of God's blessings. And so he's trying to help us understand that God has given him a role. God gave him a task. And that was Paul's role, to open the gospel up to the Gentiles. You remember in Acts when he got the Macedonian call. You know in the early church it was just Jewish believers. And Paul got the call and God revealed to him that salvation was for all men. And he spent the rest of his life doing that. Well, here Paul is trying to explain to the church that he is taking the baton of that secret and handing it off to the church. He is taking the the revelation, the administration is what he calls it, stewardship of that secret, and he is giving it to us. He is entrusting it to us to get the word out. We have a secret that we are compelled to share. Now, if you're like me, you're probably not good at keeping secrets. Secrets are tough especially personal secrets. Now, you know, I keep secrets that have relational to my job and the confidentiality of that. But little secrets are so hard for me to keep. When somebody buys somebody a present or, uh, you know, the hardest thing for me to keep secret was uh, when my wife was pregnant. You know, they always tell you, well, don't tell anybody until the, the third month. And how hard is that, you know, to wait? And we had been waiting for six years and no one ever thought we would be able to get pregnant. And so when we got pregnant, you know, every day she would remind me, you don't tell anybody. And I go to work and people say, we're praying, you know, about y'all getting pregnant or about y'all adopting. I just, I just wanted to tell them. So hard. And here the book is switched and, and Paul says he wants us to tell and, and we do just the opposite. We've grown quiet. 
And instead of being compelled to tell the greatest secret ever revealed, we remain silent and just divvy it out to those that we feel like are worthy or maybe those that come and ask. Instead of going and shouting it and declaring it, we wait for someone to come and prompt us. Paul says, you've got a responsibility. And so in the rest of this passage, he talks about that responsibility. So look at verse 7. It says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. And I like the message Bible. I think I gave you the message Bible in the order of service. It says, this is my life's work. Paul said, the most important thing that I am going to do is tell everyone the secret of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable. And I love that word in the NIV. Actually, it translates in the Greek as unmeasurable, that the riches that are yours in Christ can never be measured. And my job, Paul says, is to share that, that I get to share that, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, the, the use of this mystery. Go and share the secret, he's saying. For his intent, and he's talking about God, his intent was that now through the church, through the ecclesia, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm according to his eternal purposes which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith, he's going to back, go back to remind us, remember this is just a, a decalogue here, he's going to go back and remind us that, that the walls are down. In him and through faith, you may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings, for which you are now being made glorified. You see, what Paul is trying to get us to understand is that his life's work is now the church's life's work. That what he had given everything he had for is now the opportunities of the church. You see, basically the whole passage there, 7 through 13, the reason Paul zoomed out for just a moment is to remind the church that the church is a big deal to God. That the church is a big deal to God. That God loves and cares about the church. That the church is at the heart of God's work on earth and it is at the heart of God's purposes. See, I believe as a pastor, one of the greatest lies that Satan tells to Christ followers is they don't need the church. He tells us that the church is irrelevant. The church doesn't matter anymore. The church doesn't relate to people. You don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And so many people are buying into that, that what happens is the church becomes a hit and miss. We kind of go when we can, don't when we can, instead of a must. Instead of being something that touches and changes our lives, it becomes something we have made optional instead of a priority. And I firmly believe that, you know, and I'm not talking about keeping attendance. I'm not a legalist. I'm talking about being tied into the body. And that doesn't mean being in a pew because there's a lot of people that are at church every week that aren't tied into the body. A lot of people that go to church and they check it off their list and they come and they sit, but they never become a part of God's plan. They never become a part of what God's saying. I am talking about this body finding a fit, what we said several weeks ago, where you find this is where God has called me, uh, not just here, but in a body, and I fit in this body, and I am a part of this body. And you see, when that doesn't happen, I believe the power that God intended for the church is never released. And it affects our communities and it affects our individual lives and it affects the message and the secret that God's given us to share. See, Paul is reminding us that the main purpose of the church, the main purpose of my life is to share the good news. 
to share the mystery. The secret's out. Now it's up to you and I to share it. In Ephesians 5, Paul says, Christ loves the church and gave himself up for the church. Now let me ask you, if God feels that way about the church, how do we feel about it? How does what Paul say here about the power and the importance of the church line up with how we treat the church, how we talk about the church? If Christ gave his life for the sake of the church and for this secret, what are we doing? How are we playing a part in that? You see, I believe very simply Paul underscores in this passage that can sometimes be confusing why it's important that you and I be a part of the church. And I'm not talking about the universal church. The church, all of us become a part of the church when we become Christians. We become a part of the universal body. But I've told you over the last couple of weeks, what Paul is trying to emphasize to the Ephesians is that you've got to be tied in to a local community body of believers. Because there's, there's purpose there. There's plan there. And so Paul gives us some reasons why church is important. So I'm just give you a couple of things to think about from this passage of why it's important that you be a part, that you tie in, that you fit yourself in with a local body. First of all, you've got a part to play in God's plan. And the only way you can play a part in God's plan, according to Paul, is through the church. People ask me all the time, how do I know God's will for my life? How can I know what God wants for my life? Well, the Bible is pretty clear that God's plan for all Christ followers is to be a part of the body. Because he gives us gifts, spiritual gifts that are to be used to edify and to push the body. Everything that he gives us is to be used in and through the body. And you see, he's not talking about a building, and I'm not talking about a denomination, and I'm not talking about a place that we come on Sunday morning. Because you see, this is not the church. You are the church. When we all come together as a body, united, fitting together, that is the church. And Paul said that it is vital that you be a part of it. Why? Because God said that the plan that he had from the beginning of time was to use the church. And the only way you get to be a part of that is if you're a part of his body. See, church was not an accident. Church was not an afterthought. The church wasn't something that just was created by the apostles because they didn't know what else to do or, or it was just something that they came up with along the way. You see, when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and God developed a plan according to Ephesians 1, the plan involved the body of Christ tearing down the walls that separated us, tearing down all the barriers that divided us and bringing the body of Christ in as one to glorify Jesus Christ and to give glory to God. It, it was his plan. And God calls each one of us to be a part of that plan. And Paul says that we are now entering into a time where I am handing off the baton. Paul says, it is my life work, but I'm in prison. I'm almost gone. So I hand off the stewardship of this secret to you. You ever told somebody a secret and said, listen, I, don't tell anybody this is, the only, this is the secret. And I know if it gets out, it's going to come from you. So don't tell anybody. See, Paul's doing that, but he's doing just the opposite. He's saying, listen, I'm going to tell you a secret. And no one knows this secret. And the only way people are going to know is if it comes from you. And I know it will come from you. 
See, Paul is saying the time has now come where this mystery is being revealed, this secret is being revealed. What is that? It is the power of God to change lives. It is forgiveness. It is grace. It is love. It is mercy. It is the power of Christ living inside of us through the Holy Spirit that changes me from the inside out and empowers me to live every day. He said, that's the mystery. And guess what? You get to go tell everybody about it. That was part of God's plan. It was part of God's purposes. But the key he underscores here is that it's always got to be done with humility. Did you hear what Paul said? He said, I didn't look for this job. I didn't want this job. I'm not, I'm not anybody that got something special. He said, I'm just a part of what God's plan is. You see, I think sometimes where we miss sharing the secret is we like to dance around like we've got a secret that nobody else has. Like we're something special and God decided to tell us a secret and he didn't decide to tell anybody else. You ever seen a kid do that? When they know a secret? Don't tell kids secrets. I, I, uh, some of our kids got me candy for Pastor Appreciation Day and I've told you that before. They gave me candy and they gave me Cokes, which those are the two most healthy things that I need in my life. But they brought me those things. They had little uh, symbols on them and stuff. And so I had a, a big bowl of candy there. And one of the kids came in and they were looking and they were, to, they were staring at my candy. And uh, in my office, our, our children and stuff, the kids in the church, they come in and out all the time. And I'm not real formal. So they were coming in, you know, Pastor Rusty and I got a big stand up of John Wayne in my office. And so I always like going and pretending they're shooting at John Wayne and stuff. And so we're talking. And, but I noticed this one, he just kept staring at my candy. I said, do you want a piece? And I could hear kids outside. I said, do you want a piece? I said, yeah. I said, okay, I'm going to give you this piece. But you can't tell anybody else. <laughs> this is Pastor Rusty and your secret. He got that candy and he walked out. He was on cloud nine. I promise you, 10 steps out of the office. I got candy from Rusty. (laughs) Why? Because he couldn't keep it in. That's the way we are to be with the gospel. That's the way we are to be with the secret and the mystery of Christ. That when we come together as the body of Christ and we walk out empowered under his spirit, that we can't keep it in anymore. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, I don't care that this is my life's work. It was worth it. Now, here's the baton. You've got a secret to tell. That's God's plan. See, God didn't leave it to chance. He left it to you and I. And you and I each play a part in that plan. And if you and I back out, here's where it's critical. If you and I aren't committed, if you and I aren't fitting in, then what part of God's plan is being missed? See, you have a unique role in the body of Christ. You have a unique place and and you fit and a unique ministry. And as God grows his body, you have a part to play. And if you're not there, then that ministry doesn't get done. That secret doesn't get out to that group that he was going to use you. Why be a part of the church? Because you have a part to play in God's plan. Second thing that he says here. The reason we need to be a part of a body of Christ is the body of Christ, the community that is represented in the body of Christ demonstrates God's power to the lost world. You see, who we are is a much more powerful testimony to a lost world than what we ever say. 
You see, when the lost world looks at a group of people that have different backgrounds and different colors and different temperaments and different opinions, and they all come together for one purpose, it it says something to the lost world. They take notice. They recognize that is part of the mystery in and of itself. How does that happen? The community of Christ that's bond together. You see, what makes us community is not we look alike. What makes us a community is not we're the same age or we have the same likes and dislikes or we grew up in the same area. See, what makes us a community is Christ. And that doesn't make sense. That you can be a Democrat and I can be a Republican and I can be from the South and you can be from the North and I can have these opinions and you can have those opinions and I can be an African American and you can be a Hispanic or you can be from Europe or we can have all of these different varying things but we come together under one blood, under one body and that is the community of Christ. And we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of what God is building to change the world. That's what Paul is trying to get them to come to attention. That our community is something so much bigger. You see, community is not something you just throw together. It's not something you can just say, hey, we're a community here. It's not a catchphrase. It's something that God binds together. It's what I tried to share probably not real well a couple of weeks ago when I talked about how do you know if that's the church that you're supposed to be. You just know there is something in your Holy Spirit that says this is it and I fit. And the moment that I fit, little things don't matter anymore. Why? Because I fit. All of those other things I didn't like, it doesn't matter because I fit. And once I fit and become a part of the body, I can deal with everything else because God's power is released in that community. Why should you be a part? Because when you become a part of the community, when you bring what you've got on the table to the community, it changes people's lives. See, too many churches today don't have community. They have cliques and they have compromise. They're all about my way or the highway. You see, true community only happens... When you and I submit my will for God's will, my wants for God's way, when you and I come together as the body of Christ and say, God, whatever you want you do, in spite of our disagreements, in spite of the things that we don't get along on, we still come together to form God's plan. God has a plan, and that plan is to reach the lost through his community. You're a part of that. That's why it's important. See, there is a power in God's plan. There is a purpose to his community. And then the last thing he said, kind of sketchy if you look at verse 10. A lot of people get lost in this. It says that God is now through the church, through his church, the ecclesia, showing the manifold wisdom of God so that the rulers and the authority in the heavenly realm take notice. What's he mean there? He means that when the church picks up the baton and the church becomes community and the church ties into God's plan, those in the heavenly realm take notice. See, Paul, he really introduces spiritual warfare in the book of Ephesians. And so many people, especially in Baptist churches, we're unfamiliar with spiritual warfare. We talk some about prayer and we talk some about a couple other things. But Paul, especially as we get later on, he's going to dive in and talk about the practical aspects of spiritual warfare. Fighting a fight, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. See, there's a battle going on. 
It's a battle for the lost world. It's a battle for your spirit, your heart. It's a battle to discourage you. And you see what Paul is saying there. He's saying, listen, when the church picks up the baton, when they become community, when they start following God's plan, those in the heavenly realm take notice. Now, some people say, well, is that the demons or is that angels? Or who is that taking notice? It's both, I think. I think the demons look and see the church, being the church and being community and getting the secret out. And it scares the daylights out of them because it helps them understand that their future is already assured. That they no longer have dominion over the church. They no longer have control over your and my life. But I also think the angels in heaven look down at the church. You see, angels don't get to experience God's grace. Angels don't get to experience God's mercy. They sing about it, but they don't get to experience it. They don't get to experience forgiveness. They've never sinned. They don't get to experience that everlasting love. And so the angels in heaven, when they look down at the church, overcoming all of the obstacles and loving one another and reaching out and sharing the message, they are overwhelmed. And they get a glimpse of God that they never saw before. And it says they worship him and give him glory. I want you to think about that. Sometimes in the church, we do so many things and we think nobody cares. This isn't going to matter to anybody. We cook some meals and we take it to some people and we say, those people really don't care. They're just taking advantage of it. Or we, we put together a bunch of shoe boxes and ship them out and think that probably won't make a difference. Or we come up and we pray when nobody else is around and we think nobody else, how's the lost world going to see, see this? How's this going to impact the lost world? But every time we come together as the body, where two or three are gathered, and we give glory to God, and we overcome our differences, and we give him praise, and we plug into his plan, it says the angels in heaven take notice. See, this morning they're taking notice. And because you're here, and you're listening, and you're plugged in, and you're seeking God's heart, they are giving God glory right now. Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome to think that when I'm serving God and I'm doing what he called me to do and I'm plugging into his plan and and I get discouraged, I know that in heaven, the angels in heaven are saying, look. And I've already told you from the end of chapter two, God turns around and says, that's right, that's my poem. My poema, that's my masterpiece. And when we come together as the body of Christ, In community, there is a power release that the world cannot withstand. When you look at the early church and you see the power that was released in Acts, you say, where did that go? It didn't go anywhere. We just stopped coming together as a community with God's purposes and God's will in mind. See, what Paul is trying to say for us is that we have a job. He ends here, I love it, he says, don't get discouraged by me being in jail or me being in prison. Know why he says that? If you look at verse 13, don't get discouraged. Because it's all worth it knowing that you're doing what I was doing. Paul says, don't feel sorry for me. I'm excited. I, I, I'm, it's worth it for me to go to jail to know that you've picked up the baton and the church is running. See, for you and I, my worry this morning is we've been too good at keeping secrets. Too good at deciding who gets to hear and see the power and mystery of the gospel. You see, we get excited about things in church. 
I mean, I hear people will say, hey, you got to come to our church because we got great music. And you got to come to our church because we got a great children's program or youth program. We got a new youth ministry. You got to come to our church and hear our preacher. He's funny. When's the last time you heard anybody say, listen, you need to come and experience the power of God that will change lives? When's the last time we got excited and said, you've got to come and be a part because there is a community there that you can find a place no matter what's going on in your life. And when you plug in, something happens. See, that is the secret. Secret in how good we sing or how good we preach or how well we manage our kids or teenagers or college ministers. The secret is the good news of God's life-changing grace. And we've got to tell it. And we've got to live it. And we've got to be it. That was his plan all along. And unlike World War II, when they had a very important secret to keep that was a matter of life and death, you and I have a secret to tell that's a matter of eternity. The question for us this morning is what part are you going to play in his plan? Where do you fit in? Let's pray.